0: Welcome to Daily Grace. We believe that the Bible is true, trustworthy, and timeless. And we want to help women like you know and love God's Word. The Bible shows
1: us who God is, and who He is changes everything. My name is Joanna, and I'm Stephanie. Come join us as we chat about the truth of God's Word in our everyday lives.
0: Today we are inviting Tamson Baker onto the podcast. Tamson is a wonderful friend and a member of my local church, and today we are talking about how we can use Bible study as a tool for discipleship and evangelism. And Tamsin will share her personal experience of how studying God's word in community with others has been influential in her own life. So let's get to our conversation with Tamsin. All right, everyone, welcome back to another episode of Daily Grace. This is Joanna here, and I'm here with my co-host, Stephanie. Hello, everyone. We are so excited today to introduce you to a guest that we have on the show, and she is a friend of mine and a member of my local church, Tams and Baker. Hi there. We're so happy to have you. Thank you so much for coming on the show with us today. I'm excited to be here. I was wondering, as we start out, if you could just maybe tell us a little bit about yourself, maybe, you know, who you are, about your family, and what your average day looks like.
2: Okay. I am a wife and a mom. I have two kids, 9 and 10 years old. And I think, like most moms, I do a little bit of everything. (laughs) Um, I manage our house, do all of our shopping, cooking, cleaning, dinner, planning, running children to and fro, but I also work part-time. Um, I do several different things for our church, and then I'm going back to school as well. So taking a couple classes this semester and... What are you studying? Checkling it all. I'm doing math and economics, looking at going back for my economics uh, PhD, possibly. Mm. Oh, wow. So I know that you want to talk to us
0: today a little bit about... Um, evangelism and discipleship, and specifically using the study of God's word in order to walk through that process with people. So um, I would love if you could start out just by telling us how you
2: would define those two words, evangelism and discipleship. Okay. I'm going to start with discipleship because I think that one's a bit simpler. Okay. Um, Because Jesus just lays it out for us, that process of go into all the earth, making disciples, teaching them to obey my word. Mm -hmm. And so in my mind, discipleship is that lifelong process after you come to faith and you commit your life to the Lord Mm -hmm. of being taught and growing in God's word and learning to become obedient to it as you go. Yeah. Um, Evangelism, I think, is that very first step when we meet the gospel. And so for believers... What that looks like for us, I think, can be varied and complex and beautiful um, because it's really just bringing the gospel into the world. Mm -hmm. And we do that in the way we live. We do that uh, very deliberately in the way we build relationships and engage with people. Mm -hmm. And then ultimately, it has to end with that good news, that kind of definition of the gospel, where we put some
1: real words around who Jesus is and what it means to follow him. Hmm. I feel like a lot of us could think of discipleship as like we're pouring into somebody else. Um, But I love what you said, because discipleship really is a term to describe like our own following of Jesus. Um, But discipling, that word can mean, you know, helping someone else along to better image Christ. So Tamsin, could you share with us about a time that
0: someone reached out to you and walked alongside you in your study
2: of scripture and what did that look like? Sure. I I immediately go back to when I first became a believer. Mm. I heard the gospel for the first time ever in eighth grade and just remember thinking, how had no one told me this wonderful (laughs) piece of news before? And so I became a believer that summer before starting high school. Mm. And I was very fortunate to be in a church with a youth pastor in particular who took the word very seriously in discipling Mm. students. And so he had a program kind of set up for us with a reading program that was a systematic daily reading of an Old Testament, New Testament, and wisdom passage from the Bible. And so we paired up in groups of two or three students and an adult leader. And um, what really struck me at that time was our adult leaders were not Not only were they not ministry people, were they Mm. lay people, they didn't even have students. They Mm. had little kids. And yet they were partnering with this ministry Mm. to really disciple young teenagers. Mm. And so my best friend who also got saved that same summer and myself met with this mom who had like a two and a three year old. Once a week in my bedroom, hmm. sitting on my bed with my unbelieving parents downstairs, and in wow. hindsight, I realized that must have been awkward <laughs> um, but <laughs> yeah. this young mom sat with us once a week and we just talked about what we were all reading in hmm. this Bible reading plan and I don't remember any you know huge theological understanding that she you know, walked us through or anything like that. But it was just this establishment of daily reading of the Word Mm -hmm. and the value of being with other believers who do not have to be experts, do not have to be church staff, being able to share with one another and and grow together in our understanding of the Word. And that was foundational for me. Yeah, that's really encouraging because I know that we can
0: kind of get into this idea of thinking, well it's youth pastors who are going to disciple the high schoolers, or it's people who already have kids that age who can, you know, do things with kids that age, or, oh, well, I don't have a seminary degree, so I'm not really equipped to to disciple anyone. But I think it's really encouraging to hear you saying, you know, it wasn't about knowing all of the theological terminology, and it wasn't even about having experience at that age group, but it was just about walking together through God's Word and that daily reading. I think that that's probably encouraging for a lot of our listeners, too, who maybe think, you know, this isn't something I can do right now. Um, Maybe they think you have to be a certain kind of person with a certain kind of experience. Exactly. Um, And I think it meant more to us because she
2: was very real and very approachable, and she shared things from her own life, Mm -hmm. and um, it made a huge impact on both our lives.
1: Okay, I think that is just so beautiful. And honestly, that's like a prayer of mine for my kids that they would have adults come and walk alongside them and and teach them God's word. Because I feel like as a mom, I could pour into my kids. But it's so beautiful to see the local church pour into our kids and teach them and come alongside them in maybe a way that we can't, you know. So that is just so encouraging to me and something that I really, really hope that my kids will have. You know, they're only five and four and 10 months, but oh gosh, what a pivotal time in, in like development, eighth grade, ninth grade, 10th grade <laughs> is. Um, so that's just so beautiful. Um, could you share maybe the first time that you initiated a relationship with someone else um, in a similar way? Certainly. Certainly. Uh, my mind immediately goes to my first year of college. I was very
2: ready to leave home, and mm-hmm. I think part of that was because I was a believer in an unbelieving home, and I just thought I was going to go off and get to be my own person. Mm-hmm. Um, but I went to Florida State, really big school. I was uh, registered too late to live in a dorm, so I had to find a way to get connected. And I joined this group, because I am a super nerd, where we <laughs> did competitive United Nations simulation debate Ooh. and crisis simulation. Oh,
1: wow. Yeah.
2: I um, love it. <laughs> <laughs> and the school paid for us to travel all over and do these competitions. Okay. And so our very first one, um, we got on a bus and we went to D.C. to go do a competition at Georgetown. And, of course, I'm a young, new freshman girl. I don't know anyone. Mm -hmm. So you immediately connect to the other young, new freshman girls. Right, yeah. And honestly, I don't even remember how we got to the conversation. But somewhere early in that bus ride, I got to know a couple of girls. And we ended up on the topic of probably where I was going to church at the time, Mm -hmm. would be my guess. And uh, one of the girls shared that she was a believer, but that she had a really hard time being disciplined to read the Bible, to have you know, quiet times, yeah. <laughs> like we were kind of taught in high school you're supposed to have. And the other girl shared that she had gone to church some, but she just really had issues with Paul and his teachings and mm-hmm. struggled with, yeah. with some mm-hmm. of the things he said. Um, and so I said, well, what would you ladies think about getting together once a week? And we'll just read through Paul's letters together. Yeah. And, you know, for the one girl, it'll help you have some accountability and for the other girl, we can just wrestle together yeah. through the mm-hmm. hard things Paul says. And we did. We started getting together once a week in my apartment. And we just kind of had our – it wasn't like a particular Bible study. We just started. said let's start with 1 Corinthians. Started reading through and kind of agreed how we were going to do that. And over the course of my undergraduate time at Florida State, not only did those two girls Did we do that together? We ended up joining a church together. And then um, other women that traveled with us through that program kind of heard what we were doing. And on and off through those years, other girls joined us. Mm. Um, And it made an impact not just on those girls, which certainly that was significant and just for our relationship and, and our own personal growth. But it made an impact on the people around us, too, which was cool. Mm-hmm. Um, whether positive or, you know, that the word talks about us being that aroma, either right. of life or death. Mm. And at one point, I was asked to join the leadership team of that group that traveled. Mm. And one of the guys said to me, but you know, if you join this, you can't, you can't be expecting people to come to your Bible study. Oh, wow. And I was <laughs> like, hey, here's what's happening. It's always open. Right. Whoever wants to come can come. If they don't, Mm -hmm. they don't. And they still let me join and be a leader. (laughs) That's Um, good. (laughs) But even in the course that, we had a a young lady in that group who had a very difficult, she just had a lot of baggage. She had Mm -hmm. a lot of difficult stories. And at one point, she hit a real low and um, called a guy who was my boyfriend at the time, now my husband. We traveled together on that team and kind of shared with him where she was where she was, and he shared the gospel with her, and she came to know the Lord, and oh, then wow. he said, you know, it's not appropriate for me to take this yeah. any further,
1: <laughs> this go to Tamsin's I...
2: Bible study. And yeah. so then I was able to disciple her, and she and I met once a week for a year after that. Wow. So it was just really neat to see how that simple, let's just get together and read the Bible together, right grew into a lot of other gospel relationships through those years. Yeah. yeah. So
0: was that, was that intimidating to start out? Because I know... You know, I think if I hear someone say, I don't like what Paul
2: says, I would be a little intimidated to say, well, let's take a look at it. You know, I think when you get into it, there's always these moments where you're confronted with things that you don't have all the answers for, Mm -hmm. but I didn't expect to have the answers. And I think there is a um, sense that we have to be okay walking in and saying, this is not easy. Let's wrestle with it together. And if we hit a point that I feel like I really can't give an answer, then maybe we can figure out who else to call. Mm, but to me, yeah. that's the difference between let's just you and me talk about the hard thing that you think Paul says versus saying let's sit down together and let's read the word right. together. Because yeah. now we're not talking about your opinion versus my opinion and what I recall. We're talking about this passage sitting in front of us that we're looking at together and then we can look to context and we can give it a broader um, just a broader table to stand on and more understanding between us. So mm-hmm. going to the word itself versus just discussing the hard topics right. for me yeah. I found much less intimidating because I'm not expected to have all the answers that mm-hmm. way.
0: Yeah, that's that's really encouraging because I think it doesn't matter how much we've studied the Bible, we're never gonna have all the answers. Yeah. And I think that's encouraging for, you know, even If, you know, for those of us who are parents that our kids are going to ask us questions that we're not going to have the answers to, and it's going to come up a lot, but I think I love that what you said, you know, the Bible is living and active. And if we can go to God's word and see what God's word says, instead of just like hashing out the difficult things, right. right, on our own, but let God's word speak to it. I think that's really, really encouraging.
1: And I love that because you're, you were going at it with like a posture of humility and instead of like. I know the Bible more than you, and I, uh, you know, you didn't let pride get in the way or let yourself get in the way. Whether you um, felt confident or not, or not, you were just having that invitation of wanting to wrestle along with someone and learn alongside them. And that's really encouraging to someone like me who kind of really fears not being able to communicate well or not have all the answers. But it's like, it's the word that bears fruit. <laughs> I think it also gives other
2: people the permission to have questions. Mm. Yeah, that It's yeah. it's okay to wrestle with what Paul says. He says some things I have trouble with too. Um, And when your response to someone kind of putting up a flag to the Bible or to church or to whatever it is you're speaking about, that you don't feel the need to defend it and yeah, say, yeah. oh, no, but but Paul's an apostle. So, you right. <laughs> know, instead to be able to just say, let's look at it together. There yeah. are hard things and maybe together we could find some answers, um, take some of that edge off of right. the defensiveness people may or may not have towards a particular church or particular book or their experiences, yeah, that's right. so
0: helpful. And you know, I heard you kind of say when you're talking about this group, like you know, it's open for whoever wants to come. Um, I wonder though, have you ever had a time when you, um, when you specifically invited an unbeliever to join you in on Bible study, and what did that look like? How did you approach that relationship?
2: Well, there's two different ladies that come to mind, and I'm going to start with one because I think it's important. Uh, I hope maybe for your listeners to understand that it just can look many different ways. Mm -hmm. Um, So I start with one lady because it was, I can't get into her story with a lot of details, but it was a situation where it was just so clearly God opening a door for me Mm -hmm. to share the gospel with a total unbeliever who started our conversation with, I've never opened a Bible. Wow. And so she and I met uh, for well over a year looking at the Bible together and Because it started so miraculously, so Mm -hmm. unexpected, just such a God thing, my assumption going in was, like, she's going to get saved tomorrow. (laughs) And we studied the Bible together for a year. Wow. And then I invited her to join me uh, for a Bible study that I wasn't leading because I thought it was really important that she start getting a feel and a picture of the body of Christ, Mm -hmm. not just Tamsin's view on what this says. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And – I pray for her almost daily, but she came to the point that she really decided that she wasn't ready yet. Hmm. Um, and I put that as my first story because I think it's important that we understand God is the one that works. Right. And yeah. we just try to be faithful, to walk in those opportunities, and we still, I still don't know what the Lord will do with her. Right. But she ended at that place saying, essentially, as we read the Gospel of Luke together— like what Jesus asks is hard. You know, over and over there are people that say, Jesus, can I follow you? And he says, well, if you want to sell all your stuff first. Right. <laughs> or Jesus, can I follow you? But I want to bury my dad. Like, well, you can let the dead bury your dead, their own dead. Mm. Jesus shows that he is not begging for people just to follow and give lip service. And she mm. recognized that. Yeah. Mm. And so in my mind, her rejecting that invitation at this point was far more positive because she has seen a much broader picture of what god's inviting her into than for me to try to cheapen the gospel and say just say this little prayer yeah and you're going to be all set
1: Mm -hmm. she is counting the cost yeah there have been many times i've had to even repent of cheapening the gospel like you said like so So much of the time we're just so desperate for someone to get it that we can um, really water it down and and really that's doing a disservice to them because we want to give them the good news. and like you said, that involves a cost, you know, he says to deny ourselves and to take up our cross daily and the narrow way is hard. So that is an encouragement to me to. Yeah, not be afraid to let the word speak for itself. Like, we don't have to defend it. We don't have to make it flowery. (laughs) Let it speak for itself and not be afraid of the outcome. Because like you said, like God is in charge of the outcome.
2: And I'll share a story with you about my next door neighbor, because I think it's a good example of looking for opportunities to share the gospel. Because like I said, when we were defining evangelism, the most critical part of evangelism, I think is being purposeful and deliberate in building relationships and Mm. being places regularly and often. Um, And that might look like you go wait at the bus stop every day for your kid, even though your kids could walk home by themselves because you get to see the same two mamas every day Mm. and get to know them and get to build some real relationship and you come to care for them and it creates opportunities to serve and love them, which all of those things lead to opportunities mm. for the gospel. Yeah. Um, or it might, you know, in my case, it's I go to my daughter's basketball practice every week, and that could be my hour to like speed clean my home, which he yeah. desperately <laughs> needs. <laughs> but by going every week, there's a handful of moms I get to know every week mm. and build a relationship with. And we yeah. don't share the gospel very often, with strangers or people that we barely brush elbows with. Yeah. We share the gospel with people we get to know. Mm -hmm. And so my next door neighbor, I lived by her for quite some time. And my best guess was that she was not a believer. Her life did not demonstrate, her values did not demonstrate that she was living um, a God-centered life. And we had become friends and neighborly. And I always made a point of stopping to talk to her, you know, when I'd see her out in the driveway And a couple of years in a row, she had mentioned to me that she was giving up something for Lent. Hmm. And usually they were related to weight loss benefits as well. You know, I'm giving up alcohol this year. I'm giving up sugar this year. Yeah. And so one year I was doing a Lent devotional and I was only a couple of days in and it was very, very gospel centered. And I was just feeling blown away by the content of this devotional. Hmm. So I saw her out in her driveway and I stopped her and we started talking and, I kind of dropped Lent. She said, yeah, this year I'm giving up whatever it was. Hmm. And so I asked her, why do you do Lent every year? And I feel like that is something we need to do if we're purposeful about trying to be evangelists. Just look for opportunities to Hmm. ask slightly probing questions that test the water. And in that case, she had talked about Lent. So it was Hmm. an open door for me to show interest in her not Hmm. jumping in with – if you died today, do you think you're going to heaven? <laughs> right. right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so I asked her, why, why do you do Lent every, every year? And she said, oh, I don't know. I mean, my sister does it. And I grew up you know, kind of going to Catholic church here and there, and they did mm-hmm. it. And I said, well, she worked for, from home at the time, and so did I. My kids had just started going to school. So I said, I'm doing this Lent devotional. Would you like to do it with me? And we could get together maybe once a week during your lunch break, and just sit on the porch and talk about it. Hmm. And she said, yeah, sure, that'd be great. Hmm. Wow. So I got her a book. I mean, I went to the bookstore and I got her a book and brought it to her that night. And so for that next five or six weeks, whatever it was, once a week, I came over at her lunch break time and we talked about it, Hmm. just what we'd been reading. And so at the very end of the devotional, it had us read kind of the passion uh, story from the book of Mark. Hmm. And she got this deer-in-the-headlights look and said, I've never opened a Bible. Wow. Mm. Like, coming up in the tradition when we did go to church, that was mm. like a clergy thing. That yeah. was for the professionals. Right. Yes. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I just encouraged her, just, here, let me run across the street. Let me grab – I have a bunch of them. Here's mm-hmm. a Bible. Just give it a try. Yeah. And so she did, and we talked about it that final week of Lent, and I um, – Asked her if she'd be interested in reading the Bible more. So we started reading through John together. Wow. And just the same thing. Like, let's read this. You know, we agreed to how much to read. We got together once a week. We talked about what we were reading. She had a bazillion questions. I bet. Yeah. <laughs> and so we just talked through them. And when we got to the end of John, I was teaching a Bible study at the time at my local church. Um, and so I invited her. like, Come Wednesday night. And it was a commitment, because the church we were going to at the time was a good 30 minutes from our home. Mm. And she started driving out on Wednesday nights, because I felt it was important, again, to expand that relationship beyond just she and I, right, for yeah, her to see that? the community of God together, mm-hmm, yeah. hear other women talking about the Word. And she started coming to my Bible studies. And sometime over that next couple of years, I don't. God did not make me privy to the moment or the instant, but she gave her life to the Lord, Wow! and now she goes to our current local church, and she's in our community group that meets at our house. And it's just been cool to see her growing and for us to be able to pray for her husband that Mm. her life might be a demonstration of grace to him as well. Wow! Um, But it just started with that little opportunity of something she mentioned that looked like it might be a door for me to invite her to do something together. Yeah. I think that's a really good reminder that –
0: You know, like you said, we have to look for those opportunities. It's not often that something just drops into our lap and someone comes and says, tell me about Christianity, you know, tell me about the gospel. That really doesn't happen very often. And, you know, we always say, what would you do if somebody asked you? And, you know, we should be ready for that. But I think that's a really important encouragement that we should be actively seeking those opportunities and actively looking for ways to love our neighbor and to find ways, like you said, to just be present in their lives and be someone that they know cares about them and knows them, at least to some extent. So I think that that's a good encouragement for all of us because it's really easy to kind of get in our own routines too and protect our own time and you know think, okay, well, I go to church and I do these things, but then I also have my job and my family. But I thought it was... Really encouraging to think like, man, even as simple as like you said, going to the bus stop every day. Yeah. You know, that's not like it's you're giving away a whole day. <laughs> and you know, that might lead to a deeper relationship, which would be great. But I love how it can be these simple things that we just make a little bit of extra effort to know our neighbors you Yeah, and know. to
2: follow up. Those right. bus stop mm. conversations, the I mean, people I've gotten to cross paths with at my gym. Mm-hmm. A lot of times I find some of those things are they mention something going on. And for me to come back a few days later or the next week and say, I was praying for your son's hmm. whatever that you yeah. you know clearly showed anxiety about. I was praying for your son this week. How did that go? Yeah. And that's a way I have found, especially with moms, They really, the fact that you would take the time to pray for their kid, Mm -hmm. it's a way to introduce some spiritual component that doesn't get real weird. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And usually it's very well received and it lets them know that not only was I listening, not Mm -hmm. only did I care, but I thought about it
1: and continued to think about it and followed up on it. And that has opened doors. Yeah. I just love, like from what I hear from you, you're just like living so others oriented and I think that's what discipling is all about—of being others-oriented, with that active listening and and really caring—is what it comes down to. Um, and that just encourages me so much um, to even analyze the little things in my life that are, you know, can be insignificant, like taking that time to pause when I'm getting the mail to you know, have a two minute conversation, you know, rather than just being going about my day, but just being very intentional and others focused. So thank you for sharing all of these stories because it, it pricks my heart and really challenges me to, um, kind of have more open eyes for others. But Tamsin, how would you say that studying your word privately has complemented studying your word, um, relationally, um, with others? I feel like that is critical on two parts.
2: One is just in your personal growth. I think we cannot be as mature a Christian, as full a believer, as spiritually complete as God wants us to be if we are exclusively studying alone or exclusively studying in community. Mm, yeah. I feel like there has to be both components because there is something about getting alone with God's word where he can speak to things When you're quiet enough to hear it, Mm -hmm. that is very difficult to kind of camp out on and Mm -hmm. let the Lord pull at you when you're in a group of two or a group of 200. yeah. Um, Likewise, if the only way you ever read your Bible is alone in your room and you're not in a local church, you're not in community, you're not sitting with two or three other ladies kind of working through it together then whatever your personal bias is, yeah. <laughs> whatever your own personal, you know, bent towards sin is, you're going to read through that lens mm-hmm. and it takes community mm-hmm. to keep us grounded yeah. and shine light into some of those places that we, our, our hearts are deceptive. We don't yeah. even know where we need light shown in mm-hmm. often. Yeah. Um. So there is that component of just our own growth and maturity But then the other side is, to Joanna's question earlier, do you feel intimidated when someone asks you a question or to talk about reading the Bible with someone? And I think the more regular your own personal study is, the more equipped you feel.
1: Mm, Uh, I
2: was talking with my kids at the beginning of this year as we were kind of setting out our goals for the year and good habits, and our pastor had preached a sermon on kind of habits form the heart. Right. And- We started doing the math of how long I'd been a believer since I was 13 years old. And that I've been pretty consistent to have a morning quiet time for Mm. all those years. And so that I had my kids like with the calculator multiplying it out. And it was something like 8,000 mornings that (laughs) I've opened my Bible. Mm. And you know, some of those mornings I'm way tired and I'm just praying, God, like let let a few of these words stick. Yeah. Because Mm. I didn't get enough sleep last night. But it's been the 8,000 little mornings of just faithfully reading the Word Mm -hmm. that has given me a foundation to be able to teach the Word, to be confident talking to people about the Word. That's just given me that knowledge. And when I have taught, I've had women ask me like, well, where did you go to seminary or did you do Bible (laughs) college? No, I've opened my Bible Mm -hmm. for 15 to 20 minutes for eight thousand mornings, and wow. God has just yeah. laid a foundation of who He is through that daily study mm-hmm. and you know our goal at our house is like, okay, kids, mine are nine and ten, like you're old enough to start reading a little every morning. Mm-hmm. let's just start building a foundation so that when your friend asks you this question or so that when you have an opportunity, you're ready with the word to speak because. It's just been laid there over and over. Right. Now, this is
0: kind of a little bit of a side question, but hearing you talk about, you know, being pretty consistent over the years, I wonder if you have any... Um, practical advice for maybe women who are struggling to be consistent. I know this is kind of a bit of a tangent, sure. but love to hear you know how yeah. how you maintain that discipline and how how it is that you are able to stay motivated and to keep to, to keep this
2: commitment that you've made to yourself and to God. Well, I would love to give you some really fabulous advice. I think part of it, unfortunately. Is that i'm just built that way i'm okay. kind of a creature <laughs> of habit um i think part of it is that when i first became a believer I was kind of told, this is what you do. You're going right. to start reading. But I will say, I am a big believer in making the time first thing in the morning, mm-hmm. setting that mm-hmm. alarm clock the 20 minutes earlier and getting your feet on the floor. Yeah. I mean, I get up every morning at least a half hour before my kids are up mm-hmm. and go straight downstairs and get the coffee so that hopefully my eyes stay open Yeah, um, while I do that little bit of reading. Mm -hmm. I think when we put it, you know, oh, I'll do it before I go to bed or maybe I'll find some time, it's just so much easier to lose that time and you can protect it first thing in the day. So that would be my one piece of advice. Mm -hmm. The other would be have a reading plan, Mm -hmm. whether you pick a book, um, and I think there's two ways that are kind of most beneficial, whether you pick a book and you say, I'm going to study this book and just repetitively read a book or Mm -hmm. work through a curriculum um, like you all offer with Daily Grace, or have a systematic reading plan, I think there's a lot of value in a systematic reading plan because yeah. we tend to go to things we know and like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you have – I use a year-long reading plan, and it always takes me two to three years because okay. I just read it slower. <laughs> mm-hmm. I spend more time in, you know, in a chapter, and, and that's just how I read, which is fine. But it at least is a plan that keeps Mm -hmm. me moving through books that I might not otherwise really touch. And it helps me have a more varied um, exposure to scripture over the course of two and three years than I might if I was just reading, you know, opening to wherever it falls or just reading a psalm every morning. And that's all I ever expose myself to.
0: Right. And what you said a minute ago reminded me of a quote that Stephanie actually shared with us recently from John Piper, and he said something along the lines of, don't leave Bible study to fill the cracks of your day, but force other things into the cracks. And so I love that advice of waking up first thing and, you know, because it's so true. If we say, oh, I'll do it at nap time or I'll do it tonight,
2: inevitably things come up. (laughs) They just always do. And there were seasons when mine were little that my morning reading prayer time might be short. Right, And then if I was doing a more intensive Bible study that Mm -hmm. required uh, focused attention, I would do that during that time. There are seasons Mm -hmm. that cause you to shape that a little different. But even if I know my plan is to study later, my family, my children, my husband in particular, will occasionally ask me, like, have you been having your quiet times? Because if Mm -hmm. I do not carve out that (laughs) little bit first thing in the morning to really set the course of my heart for the day. Um, In the same way, I might forget to read. I also kind of forget to pray and I forget to Mm. just be honest with my heart through the day. And that morning is a good reset
1: for me before everything else gets started. Mm. It's kind of funny. It's like, it's our daily bread. So once we don't go and eat and feed, it's like we get hangry. (laughs) (laughs)
0: yeah yeah, spiritually
1: hangry I love that (laughs) that's so true though (laughs) um so Tamsin what what encouragement would you have um for someone who's listening and feels so stirred to want to want to do this want to kind of walk alongside someone and disciple someone and um kind of in an informal way like you're saying um you know meeting someone on the porch or or something like that, but they feel just absolutely unequipped or unqualified to do it. Um, what encouragement would you have for them um, to kind of step towards that direction? My encouragements would be two
2: things. One is looking for relational opportunities. I think there mm. are people who are gifted in evangelism, I am not one of them. Mm. Um, And it has been a very deliberate, purposeful process for me that I often have to go back to and remind myself because I slack to look for regular relational opportunities, to go Mm -hmm. into those regular places and have eyes to not be selfish, Mm -hmm. whether that's my gym. Okay, that's my hour. It makes me feel good to go get a workout and reset my mind. And I can do that with my headphones on and walk back out and I do feel better. Mm-hmm. Or I can go in and say, okay, this is somewhere I am about the same time every day. I can take the headphones off and start get that same workout, do that same benefit, but with eyes to see is is there an opportunity here for yeah. me to begin to build a relationship mm-hmm. um, with people I see on a regular basis? So that would be my first encouragement. It takes purpose to look for those opportunities. And then the second is, I think don't be afraid of the word. I have had so many friends over the years ask me like, okay, I'm thinking about kind of reaching out to my neighbors. What is some really light, not (laughs) too much Jesus book I could read with them? (laughs) And it's not that there's not times to use discernment for what an appropriate um, engagement would be with whatever people you're engaging with. But I, I think putting out the word as an opportunity to look at together mm-hmm. is not as scary as you think it is. Mm-hmm. And I have done Bible studies in my neighborhood on a couple of occasions, and I just make sure it's real clear when I post it on my Facebook, when I talk to my neighbors, like, we're just going to do this together. And whether you've studied the Bible a long time or you've never opened one and you're curious, you are totally welcome. Yeah. Let's just do this together. And Mm -hmm. I've had really warm responses. I've also Mm, had people say, well, I was raised Jewish. It's probably not a good fit for me. And I say, that's great. No Mm. worries. Like, if you ever want to come, you are still totally welcome. That doesn't exclude you. But if you're not comfortable, there's no negative response. Right. Um, And I think doing the word together, like you said earlier, you come at it with humility. I don't know everything. I don't think you knew everything. Let's see what we can figure out together. And people Mm -hmm. are much more open than I think you expect them to be.
0: Right. You know, what you were saying a minute ago reminds me, I just read this book by Rosaria Butterfield um, called The Gospel Comes with a House Key. I don't know if you've heard of it, but it's about hospitality. Um, And it really made me think about what you were saying. You know, she talks about how it's good to know our personalities But our personalities shouldn't be an excuse to Mm. not welcome people, you know? And she says, I'm a classic introvert. And so, you know, being around people is draining. But that doesn't mean it's an excuse not to welcome people. It means that it's a reason to change the way that I prepare myself to do it. Mm, That's Um, good. And I think that, you know, hearing you say that of like, you know, this might not be the most comfortable thing or you might really much rather just have that hour to yourself, but realizing that God calls all of us, you know, to love one another and to to, to spread the gospel, whatever that looks like. Um, and cause it's really, cause I'm an introvert. So it's really easy for me to kind of think like, well, God hasn't gifted me in that way. And I love how you said, you know, evangelism isn't always something that's natural to you, but that means you have to kind of figure out how you can approach it right yes. and figure out how to how to establish those relationships. So I think that's a really good encouragement for all of us. you know, the great commissions for everyone right it's not just for the few who are really extroverted and really right. bold and don't care what other people think, right but it's 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 for all of us
1: or the or the fact that we might be like, oh well, I'm not there yet in my walk so I can't disciple. but I think one of my mentors had told me like, hey, just be like two or three weeks ahead of the person that you want to kind of come alongside. And, (laughs) you know, just find someone that's faithful, available, and teachable. And also be faithful, available, and teachable yourself. And then just come together. Just stay a couple of weeks ahead of them. And and yeah, just work through it together. But Tamsin, I kind of wanted to ask you, it sounds kind of like both. It sounds like your personality might be that you like, um, you like to be systematic, but then a lot of these things are um, pretty organic, I feel like, or you're very just responsive because you're actively listening and, and engaging with the people around you and, and finding those opportunities. Um, so what what does that kind of look like? Is it is it mainly organic or do you have like a system that you kind of fall back on? Or I think it's mainly organic,
2: but I would say probably the the piece that keeps me accountable is my prayer cards. Mm. So I have a little pile of note cards. Uh, years ago, I read Paul Miller's A Praying Life, which changed my life. Mm. And That one's on my book list. Oh, it's so, so good. That's good to know. Um, I'm going to start
0: that one next. <laughs> and it's
2: very, it's very little on system. It's much more on kind of our hearts and how we think about prayer. But at the very end, he kind of prescribed some ideas for a system, and I have used them since my daughter was brand new, so I have these old like ruffled cards that I've been praying mm-hmm. through for mm-hmm. almost ten years. That's wow, beautiful and it's cool to see what they've done. But I have a card. I will add cards and I will take cards out. And you know, I have a card for my gym because it's somewhere I go every day mm-hmm. at the same class time with the same people, and I put those people's names on there. And so it keeps me accountable to mm-hmm. not just think of them as friends that I enjoy being around, but yeah. to think of them as opportunities for – to look for opportunities for how to love them and serve them. And, um, and that has borne fruit in the past where I've prayed for someone on my prayer card that I just work out with now and again when I see them and they show up and I just feel the preaching of the Holy Spirit to invite them to dinner. And then mm-hmm. I come home and I say, Mike – I know you're going to think it's weird, but I invited that family to dinner and they're bringing their kids and we've never met their kids and I hope everyone gets along. (laughs) Um, But I really do believe that regularity of praying through, I have a card for my neighborhood. Mm -hmm. I have a card for those few places that I frequently am and it also helps me remember names. So if mm, I meet yeah. a new neighbor that just moved in, if you're anything like me, I introduce myself and people tell me their names and I like don't even hear the name. I walk <laughs> away forgetting the name yeah. I just asked for. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's me. <laughs> so I make a point now of if I meet a neighbor and they tell me their name, I like run and get my card and put it down there so I don't <laughs> for forget, it, forget it. it. Yeah. <laughs> and then it helps me be more purposeful about looking for opportunities to walk my dog and pause in front of their driveway and say, mm. hey Sue, how how's the movement going? Have you guys gotten settled in? How right. did, you know, your son, are they over at that high school? And those kinds of conversations can lead to, you know, where are you guys getting plugged in around here? Do you have a church? Do you have a grocery store you like? Do you have and that kind of opens some of those conversational mm. doors. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I love that reminder of just the role that prayer praise in every single part of our lives. You know, I think it can be easy for us to think, okay, well, I have to do this and this and this, and I'll call this person and meet up with this person. But we have to remember that, you know, God is the one, like you said, who does the work. And I think that prayer is so important um, because, you know, on the one hand, God says that our prayers are powerful. Um, and I also think that when we pray, that God aligns our hearts to his Yeah. Um, yes. and and you know, gives us a heart for our neighbors
2: that we might not develop otherwise. I think sometimes it just gives us eyes to see what he's already doing. Mm. I think God is doing things around us all the time. And our prayer or lack of prayer can be so tunnel vision. We're looking for, God, I asked you to do X. And I'm looking through Mm. my, you know, paper towel roll at X. And I don't (laughs) see God moving on that point. But I'm missing all the things he's doing and right. the peripheral to that, that are great and wonderful. And if if I am in more frequent prayer, I have eyes to see where he's already moving. And then we get that very cool privilege of just being a part of what he's doing. It's not anything that we bring to the table, right. really. It's not anything mm-hmm. we're adding. It's that he gives us that joy and sweet privilege of being a part of what he's mm. doing in someone's life. Yeah. I think that takes off some of the pressure too. You yes. know, a lot of us are so afraid
0: of reaching out to other people. Like what if we say the wrong thing or what if we don't present the gospel in a way that's really con- convincing, you yes. know? And I think that that just really does take off the pressure and just allows us to, to speak the truth and to love our neighbors and to, to join God in that, in that call that he's given us yes. to, to share with others. So I know that you said that, you know, these studies tend to be a little bit more organic. But I was wondering if you have any favorite resources that you like to use when you're engaging in these relationships of studying the word together.
2: Generally, we historically, when I have done this with friends, neighbors, um, whether they're believers and we're just deciding to read along together together, to kind of build each other up and have accountability or reaching out with evangelism. I I occasionally have used a curriculum, but more often than not, we just pick a book to read together. And Mm -hmm. of course, I pick with, with some knowledge of maybe... The book itself, if I've studied it recently, Mm -hmm. or what's going to be more relatable to them. John is an easy one. Um, There's a lot of crazy stuff in the Gospel of John, but the Gospel is abundant Mm -hmm. and the parables are absent, which takes out some of the difficult interpretation. Right.
0: Yeah. But I've gone through
2: John Uh. with folks. I've gone through Luke. Um, We've done some of the epistles. I did the chronological. Bible reading Mm -hmm. with a a girlfriend one time that we just walked through it. Do you have a specific chronological plan
0: that you use?
2: Well, there's, I'm actually talking about the like NIV chronological where they splice the books together. Okay. So that you're reading, um, if a Psalm says that it's attributed to David, then Mm -hmm. they like stick it in during the historical piece of the narrative. And
0: I I would love reading the Psalms in that way too. They just, you start to see them in a way you didn't before. Right. You
2: see the life in them. And I wouldn't suggest reading only the Chronological Bible always because there's (laughs) a lot to be said for the context of a book. Right. But doing it every few years Mm -hmm. or doing it together with a group of ladies or with a friend, um, it's just a different perspective. Yeah. And it ties in some of the pieces of the word that are kind of hard to stick in for a long time. It's Mm -hmm. kind of hard to stick in you know, Jeremiah long-term. Right, yeah. (laughs) But when you get it interspersed with the other prophets that are the contemporaries and some of the historical pieces, it it does tie it together in a different way that's really cool.
0: I think that's good for, you know, anyone, a believer who's getting stuck in a rut of trying to do a Read the Year and a Bible plan. And, you know, Stephanie, you were saying a lot of people drop out within the first five books because there's just a lot there. And so maybe one one year you can do a chronological plan and you can be jumping around and seeing
2: how it all fits together so i yeah, think that's really Yeah and i actually helpful. like to buy the bible that's already built that way so yeah. i don't have to flip pages it's, it's flip just paper. like i stick my bookmark in and yes. then i read six more pages
1: and i stick my bookmark not, in that's I didn't a great know that idea that existed that's really Ooh, cool yeah but i just love the idea of even going through a bible reading plan with somebody you know cuz so many people strive to read um the Bible in a year. So like why not just kind of, you know, group up like shoulder to shoulder with someone and go through it together. I love that idea.
2: And I think it's okay to approach something like that and just agree at the forefront to cut it in half. Yeah. You know, I yeah. mean like we both want to do this, but maybe the Bible in two years is more right. uh, yeah. approachable. So instead of failing, let's succeed together and yeah. agree to do it half halftime. <laughs> yeah. And that's okay. As long as you have a plan at the front, then you're encouraging each other along in yeah. it. I think
0: that's a good reminder that, you know, our study of the Bible isn't about accomplishing another task, mm-hmm. <laughs> which can be really easy, especially when you do a plan like that to start thinking, okay, well, I'm going to achieve this Awesome goal of reading the Bible in a year, which is a good goal, don't get me wrong, but it can be easy to get caught up in thinking that the the benefit of it is in completing a task right. <laughs> versus yes. actually. Checking the little boxes. Yeah, <laughs> I love the boxes. I love checking the boxes. I think that that kind of almost humbles us from the beginning of saying, we're gonna do this in two years or we're gonna do this in three years. It kind of reorients our minds of what's really the goal of
1: this? You know, right. The goal is to to get into God's word and to know him through his word. Yes. Yeah. So Tamsen, uh, this is just a side question, I guess, but do you um, kind of strive to have just a few ladies to kind of pour into like in a particular year or, because it sounds like you're pretty busy with two kids and, you know, you're pursuing a PhD and working part time. And um, how does that kind of fit into um, a busy season? That is a fantastic question. <laughs> and,
2: and some of those things do have to um, have to kind of ebb and flow depending on seasons. Yeah. And I will say, as we are looking forward, my husband and I and talking about should I pursue a PhD? You know, is that really the next step? Part of that conversation for me has been, you know, over the last few years, I make sure to have lunch with one of these couple of ladies. Once a week, mm-hmm. that's not going to be a reality if we're juggling more things, mm-hmm. and allowing that to be a part of the conversation. Yeah, it, I think in our worldly, um, just weighing of things that seems silly, and, and I think sometimes it's even hard for my husband to understand because he doesn't get to have lunch dates <laughs> once a week. You know, <laughs> but I'm like, this isn't just I like to go have lunch with girlfriends. Right. This right. is purposeful sharing and growing the gospel in someone's life. And that has a lot of value. So we are bringing that into the conversation Mm -hmm. because it matters. Um, It has changed at different seasons depending on kind of the doors God has opened. But I will say this, if I go into a season where there is not anyone that I am meeting with in any kind of regular way, and regular right now, um, since I started classes as well as working, regular mm-hmm. looks more like once a month. Yeah. And that's okay. Yeah. Um, but if there is no regular meeting with other women for some of these purposes, again, it's just that check for me of am I being um, lazy in this area? Am I not being diligent to look for opportunities? Mm-hmm. Am I being selfish with my time? Which right. is a huge Huge issue for me. I like my time. I like Mm -hmm. the things I have to do. Yes. (laughs) So it's just a reprioritizing of looking for opportunities, Um, but I don't do it in a super systematic way. And I think, I think that can be the intimidating part, where people feel like I have to be discipling to people, and I need to have a mentor that Mm -hmm. I'm, you know. And when you start putting a lot of titles on it, it can seem like a much bigger endeavor than this woman and I get along and she seems to like me and I'm going to ask her if she wants to get together for lunch after we drop the kids off. Right. Yeah. Intentionally doing life
1: with yeah with others.
0: Well thank you so much for sharing all of that. I know that that was really encouraging and convicting for me. It really was. Just to be more intentional about my time and just seeing people um, and not being so selfish (laughs) you know in the way that I plan out my days and Um, think about what I want to do all the time so um, thank you so much and I think that it's so true that God's word is the most powerful thing that we can use to share the gospel with other people Um, even just walking alongside people Mm -hmm. asking the hard questions together um, and just allowing God's word to to transform us and to change us and to even bind us together in unity during that process um, so, Tamsin, whenever we have a guest on our show, we like to ask them three questions. These are just fun questions that we would love to hear you answer just to learn a little bit more about you. Okay.
2: So, the first one is what is currently on your nightstand? Well, with everything I have going on right now, on my nightstand is like detective fiction. <laughs> because by the time I get into bed, if I'm not totally falling asleep, I don't want to read anything serious, yeah. um, but it's that and my gratitude journal because mm. I've been trying to get back into the habit of ending my day, writing down things yeah. to be grateful for from mm-hmm. that day. And it's such a good, it's amazing how quickly I forget all right. the good things God did just today. Yeah. And as I stop and pause and spend a little time thinking about it, they go right by without me saying, hey, thanks, God. That was, that yeah. was really great. I love that. What is one thing you can't live without? Oh, I knew you were going to ask this question, and so I've been thinking about it, and I have a totally frivolous one, but it's – I mean, I could live without it, and I have lived without it, but I don't want to. Yeah. (laughs) My last car did not have heated seats. My first car had heated seats, and my new car has heated seats. (laughs) And I told my husband – Never again. I don't ever want to go back. I literally drive in the heat of summer oftentimes with my air condition blowing on cold and my Uh heated seats on. Really? Oh, Oh, my goodness. It just makes me, it brings me to such a happy place.
0: That is so funny because I think if I drove with heated seats on in the middle of the summer, I might lose my mind.
1: Oh,
2: my
0: goodness. (laughs)
1: Love it. I mean, because we're in Georgia. It's hot in
2: Georgia. It (laughs) is hot in Georgia. But if you have the air condition blowing cold enough, you can balance it out. Just like a
1: warm hug. (laughs) I I do like that feature in my van, too, though, I will say. Apparently, I'm missing out on this heated seat thing. I guess
2: I I make my my 10-year-old son go out and warm up in the car for me in the morning before Mm. we go to school so that my seats are cozy, ready for
0: me. (laughs) That's awesome.
2: Okay, Tamsin,
0: what is one resource? This could be a book. It could be a person. It could be anything that has most stirred your affection for God's word.
2: For God's Word, um, I mean, I shared with you all how I started kind of learning to be regular reading the Word, mm-hmm. but it wasn't until I was married that I sat under at the time my pastor's mother, who oh, was okay. in her seventies, and introduced me to the inductive method. Mm-hmm. And I don't I don't remember the name of the book she had learned it from, but she she taught me how to study a book in its entirety. Mm-hmm. Um, in context, understanding scripture, interpret scripture, and then from there, I read Kay Arthur's "How How to Study God's Word," I mm-hmm. think it's called. Okay, um, and did some precept upon precept studies, and then since then, I've read Jen Wilkins' "Women of the Word," and they're all very similar. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that transformed the way I approached God's Word and the way I digest it now and consider it, and it mm-hmm. helped me become much more healthy a- as wonderful as my first church was about teaching us the importance of being in the word the approach was very emotional Mm. and how Mm. did that make you feel and how did how do you want to apply it to your life and so it was a huge jump in my growth to really learn how to approach the word with what does this say about god and what did god intend for it to say Mm -hmm. and that has shaped really the way i've walked um my spiritual life and and studied and taught other people to study Mm. since
0: then yeah, and kind of approaching it from a how does it make you feel kind of lens can make it really discouraging when you're just not feeling it. Yes, <laughs> yes, absolutely. And I think we all are in those seasons where we read God's word and we are thinking, Am I supposed to be having an emotional response to this? Right. Versus being told this, is, not this is like think
2: that idea of precept upon precept. You're learning something now that may not excite you, right. may not move you emotionally but it may be that next layer of foundation that the next thing that really is gonna change Mm -hmm. you Mm -hmm. needs to build upon. Right, yeah.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. And you know, I I know that we've mentioned some resources about the inductive method in the past, and we'll link those books that Tamsin mentioned in our show notes. And also, I think we've told you ladies before that in the Daily Grace Co. app, we have a free study called The Word of Life. And week two of that study actually walks you through the inductive method step-by-step. So be sure to download the app and access that
1: study if that's something that you
0: are interested in.
1: Yeah, I just wanted to say thank you so much for coming on, Tamsin. I know this conversation has really... Um, encouraged and challenged me and really makes me want to worship God because I just hear your story and hear the faithfulness of God of how he has, um, you know, even when you're an eighth grader with unbelieving parents, yet he brought someone to come alongside you and to pour into you. And and then you went ahead and did the same of pouring into others by just joining in in God's work. Um, so I don't know, just it just amazes me and wa- makes me want to worship God's sovereignty and his goodness toward us. So thank you for just this delightful conversation today. And I know it's going to encourage our listeners and challenge them too um, to live purposefully and just to join in, in God's work. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's
2: been yeah. a lot of fun to be on. And you're absolutely right. It's, I mean, in my story and I think all of our stories is just grace upon grace of what God has done. Mm-hmm. and. Um, when we try to look at what we've done, it gets real discouraging real quick, but to see what God's doing and yeah. how he has been gracious to let mm. us be a part of it and how he was gracious to pour and continues to be gracious to pour into me through other people. It, it's just, it's all goodness from his hand and uh, we're fortunate to get to be a part of it. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Thank you again so much for sharing today. We really appreciate it.
0: Um, And everyone listening, if you would like to access our show notes from today, you can find those at dailygracepodcast.com. And if you were encouraged by this episode and maybe you know someone else who might be encouraged by it as well, we would just invite you to share it with them. Um, Thank you so much for listening and we will talk to you next Tuesday.